Certainly, it is wrong, said Monte Cristo. But you should take into consideration the youth and greediness of the delinquent. Of course, said the gardener, but that does not make it the less unpleasant. But, sir, once more I beg your pardon. <laughs> Perhaps you are an officer that I am detaining here. As he glanced timidly at the Count's blue coat. Calm yourself, my friend, said the Count, with a smile that he made either terrible or benevolent at will, and which now expressed the kindliest feeling. I am not an inspector, but a traveller, brought here by a curiosity he half repents of, since he causes you to lose your time. Ah, my time is not valuable, replied the man with a melancholy smile. It still belongs to the government. I ought not to waste it, but... Having received the signal that I might rest for an hour, here he glanced at the sundial, for there was everything in the enclosure of Monlithery. And having ten minutes before me, and my strawberries being ripe, when a day longer, by the by, sir, do you think dormice eat them? Dormice eat them. Indeed, I should think not said Monte Cristo Dormice are bad neighbours for us who do not eat them preserved as the Romans did what? did the Romans eat them? said the gardener ate Dormice? I have read so in Petronius said the Count really? that can't be nice though they do say as fat as a Dormouse and it is not a wonder that they are fat, sleeping all day and only waking to eat at night. Listen, last year I had four apricots and they stole one. I had one nectarine, only one. Well, sir, they ate half of it on the wall. A splendid nectarine. I never ate a better one. You ate it? That is to say, I ate the half that was left. You understand, it was exquisite, sir. Ah, those gentlemen never choose their words, their worst morsels. Like mere Simon's son, who has not chosen the worst strawberries, but this year, continued the horticulturist, I'll take care, it shall not happen, even if I should be forced to sit the whole night to watch when the strawberries are ripe. Monte Cristo had seen enough. Every man has a devouring passion in his heart and every fruit has its worm. That of the telegraph man was horticulture. He began gathering the grape leaves, which screened the sun from the grapes, and won the heart of the gardener. Did you come here, sir, to see the telegraph? <coughs> he said, yes, if it isn't contrary to the rules. Oh, no, said the gardener. Not in the least. Since there is no danger that anyone can possibly understand what we are saying, I have been told so that you do not always yourselves understand the signals you repeat. That is true, sir, and that is what I like best, said the man, smiling. Why do you like that best? Because then I have no responsibility. I am a machine then, nothing else. And so long as I work, Nothing is more. Nothing more is required of me. It is possible," said Monte Cristo to himself, "that I can, 
that I can have met with a man that has no ambition. That would spoil my plans. Sir, said the gardener, glancing at the sundial, the ten minutes are almost up. I must return to my post. Will you go up with me? I follow you. Monte Cristo entered the tower, which was divided into three stories. The tower contained implements such as spades, rakes, watering pots, hung against the wall. This was all the furniture. The second was the man's conventional abode, or rather sleeping place. It contained a few poor articles of household furniture, a bed, a table, two chairs, a jug, some dry herbs hung up by the ceiling, which the Count recognised as sweet peas, and of which the good man was preserving the seeds. He labelled them with as much care as if he had been a master botanist in the Jardin de Platte. Does it require much study to learn the art of telegraphing? asked Monte Cristo. It does not it does not take long. It was the act of supernumeracy that was so tedious. And what is the pay? A thousand francs, sir. It is nothing. But then we are lodged, as you perceive. Monte Cristo looked at the room. They passed to the third story, which was the telegraph room. Monte Cristo looked in turn at the two iron handles by which the the machine was worked. It is very interesting, but it must be tedious for a lifetime. Yes, at first my neck was cramped with looking at it, but at the end of the year year, I became used to it, and then we have our hours of recreation and our holidays. Holidays? Yes. When? When we have a fog. Ah, to be sure. Those are indeed holidays to me. I go into the garden, I plant, I prune, I trim and I kill insects all day long. How long have you been here? Ten years, five as a supernumeracy, make that fifteen. You are, I'm fifty-five years old. How long must you have served to claim the pension? Oh sir, twenty-five years. And how much is the pension? A hundred crowns. Poor humanity, murmured Monte Cristo. What did you say, sir? I was saying it was very interesting. What was? All that you were showing me, and you really understand none of these signals. None at all. Have you ever tried to understand them? Never. Why should I? But there are still some signals only addressed to you. Certainly. And you do understand them. They are always the same. And they mean nothing new, have an hour or tomorrow. That is simple enough, said the Count. But look, it is is not your correspondent putting itself in motion? Ah, yes, thank you, sir. And what is it saying? Anything you understand? Yes. It asks if I am ready. And your reply? By the same sign, which at the same time tells me my right-hand correspondent that I am ready. 
while it gives notice to my left-hand correspondent to prepare in his turn. It is very ingenious, said the Count. You will see, said the man proudly. In five minutes he will speak. I have then five minutes, said Monte Cristo to himself. It is more than I require, my dear sir. Will you allow me to ask you a question? What is it, sir? You are fond of gardening, passionately. And you would please to have, instead of this terrace of twenty feet, an enclosure of two acres. Sir, I should make a terrestrial paradise of it. You live boldly on your thousand francs. Badly enough, but yes, I do live. Yes, but you have a wretchedly small garden. True, the garden is not large. And then, such as it is, it is filled with dormice who eat everything. They are most gorgeous. Tell me, should you have the misfortune to turn your head while you, while your right-hand correspondent is telegraphing? I should not see him. Then what would happen? I could not repeat his signals. And then, having not repeated them through negligence, I should be fined. How much? A hundred francs. A tenth of your income. That would be fine work. Ah, said the man. Has it ever happened to you? Once, sir, when I was grafting a rose tree. Well, suppose you were to alter the signal and substitute another. That is another case. I should be turned off and lose my pension. Three hundred francs. A hundred crowns, sir. Yes. So you see that I am not likely to do any of these things. Not even for fifteen years' wages. Come, it is worth thinking about. For fifteen thousand francs? Yes. Sir, you alarm me. Nonsense. Sir, you are tempting me? Just so. Fifteen thousand francs, do you understand? Sir, let me see my right-hand correspondent. On the contrary, do not, do not look at him, but at this. What is it? What? Do you not know these bits of paper? Banknotes? There are fifteen of them. And whose are they? Yours, if you like. Mine? exclaimed the man, half suffocated. Yes, yours. Your own property. Sir, my right-hand correspondent is signalling. Let him signal. Sir, you have distracted me. I shall be fined. That will cost you a hundred francs. You see, it is in your interest to take my banknotes. Sir, my right-hand correspondent redoubles his signals. He is impatient. Never mind. The Count placed the packet in the man's hand. Now, this is not all. You cannot live upon your 15,000 francs. I shall still have my place. No, you will lose it, for you are going to or you are going to alter your correspondent's message. Sir, what are you proposing? A jest. Sir, unless you force me. I think I can effectually force you. Monte Cristo drew another packet from his pocket. Here are 10,000 more francs. With the 15,000 already in your pocket, they will make 25,000. With 5,000, you can buy a pretty little house with two acres of land. With the remaining 20,000, we'll bring you in 1,000 francs a year. 
a garden with two acres of land and a thousand francs of a year. Oh, heavens. Come, take them. Monte Cristo forced the banknotes into his hand. What am I to do? Nothing very difficult. But what is it? Repeat these signals. Monte Cristo took a paper from his pocket, upon which were drawn three signals with numbers to indicate the order in which they were to be worked. There, you see, it will not take long. Yes, but do this and you will have nectarines and all the rest. The shot told, red with fever. While large drops fell from his brow, the man executed, one after the other, the three signals given by the Count. In spite of the frightful contortions of the right-hand respondent, who, not understanding the change, began to think the gardener had gone mad. As to the left-hand one, he conscientiously repeated the same signals, which were finally transmitted to the Minister of the Interior. Now you are rich, said Monte Cristo. Yes, said the man, but at what price? Listen, friend, I do not wish to cause you any remorse. Believe me, then, when I swear to you that you have wronged no man, but on the contrary, benefited mankind.'